0: Turn to the book of Luke, Gospel according to Luke, and I'm going to read from two chapters this morning, Gospel of Luke chapter 12, and then also the Gospel of Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter 12, and then also chapter number 16. I desire your prayers this morning that the Lord would help us and... uh, touch us. I realize that I can't do anything without him and I need his help and need his touch this morning. And it's been a somewhat uh, difficult week as far as knowing uh, the mind of God for the service this morning. I had studied other place and and thought maybe I would preach from there this morning. Then last night, uh, the Lord began to deal with my heart uh, out of these scriptures and uh, just a simple thought that's on my heart. Matter of fact, it was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour, made mention of, and I thank the Lord for doing that and and just affirming in my heart what He wanted for the service this morning, and so I need your prayers that God would help us. And as much as I enjoyed Wednesday night, I'm very well aware it won't do for this morning, and we need the Lord again today, and so I trust that the Lord will help us and that you'll pray for us. Luke's Gospel, if you found your place, if you'd like to stand out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. We'll begin reading in chapter number 12 and then read also in chapter number 16. And I'm going to read several verses. I'll try my best to read them as quick as I can and not weary you with reading and standing. But I feel that I need to read this morning these verses. Luke will begin reading in chapter number 12 and verse number 13. And one of the company said unto him... Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. He said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, Toward God. Chapter number 16 and verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fired sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose, from the dead. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested this morning in these two accounts in the Word of God. The Bible said in Luke's Gospel chapter 12 that Jesus speaks a parable unto the disciples and the multitude that were there with him about a rich man and his ground that brought forth plentifully. And he says in this parable that this rich man doesn't have anywhere to bestow his fruit. So the harvest that he had was greater than his barn could contain. And so he began to question what he would do. And he said this will I do I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And so this man, according to the parable, that the Lord is speaking, is resting his soul in his own works and he is counting his works to be sufficient to give his soul rest and the Bible said Jesus as he spoke this parable said but God said unto him thou fool now the word fool in the word of God is not a a word that's lightly used matter of fact it's a word that we are Are really instructed not to use. And it's a big deal. We should always take notice when God calls a man a fool. He said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Or in other words, the Lord says... What you're doing, what you've done, the goods in your barn, the increase of your land will not be sufficient to purchase your soul. Matter of fact, Jesus said in another scripture, what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And here in the scripture the Bible said in verse 21 is where I'm interested in Luke 12 and then in the account that we find in Luke chapter 16 the Bible said the Lord says so is he. What does that mean? That so is he. That is the Lord is saying that everyone that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God is a fool. That's what the Lord's saying. God said to him, Thou fool, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich, toward God. Every man that trusts in his own ability, in his riches, in his earthly gain, in his self, in his position, in his person to be sufficient for the condition of his soul according to the word of God is a fool. For there is not enough ground to bring forth enough harvest to be sufficient for your soul. There's not enough money in the bank to be sufficient for your soul. Your soul cannot be bought in the abundance of things that you possess. Jesus said, a man's life consists more than in the abundance of things that he possesses. In other words, I think what the Lord was trying to tell this crowd is there is a true richness and it is found in the things of God. He said, so is everyone a fool that layeth up treasures in this life and is not rich toward God. And so I think according to the Scriptures there is a true richness or there are true riches and they are not in houses and land and they are not in money in the bank and they are not in crops that are brought forth or bigger barns or better houses or nicer cars. But their true riches are in those things which are rich toward spiritual things that are eternal things that are God things that man cannot earn but God gives them to a man. And I think that the parable in Luke chapter 12 is directly connected to the scripture in Luke 16. Now I understand no matter what others say there's been a lot of people that have argued that Luke 16 is a parable. It's not a parable. Jesus never used proper names in a parable. Uh, This is a true account that the Lord is recalling about a rich man uh, and a beggar by the name of Lazarus. And it was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school air, thank God he knew what needed to be done this morning, uh, uh, that there was a beggar on earth, uh, but there was a beggar after uh, uh, that this life was over. One preacher I heard preach a message on crumbs here but a crown there. And that's exactly the story of a beggar named Lazarus. And as I began to read this scripture and God began to deal with my heart, I want to preach this morning if God would help me for just a few minutes on true riches. And that's what Lazarus had. He had true riches. Now everybody that walked by this rich man, the Bible said in verse number 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. The word sumptuously literally means when I call. Or in other words, what the rich man wanted, he could get. All he had to do was And he had enough money in this life to get everything and anything that he could want. And everybody that passed by uh, probably looked up and I don't know uh, if the rich man lived in a house on the hill uh, but I just kind of see it in my mind. Uh, Everybody that passed by at the gate and looked up the paved driveway uh, to that big old house on the hill everybody thought the rich man uh, had it all figured out. Uh, Everybody wanted to be like the rich man uh, but nobody wanted to be like Lazarus. But see, the reality is God was looking at the rich man and Lazarus for what they really were. The world was looking at the rich man for what he had, the clothes that he wore. And that is how the Bible identifies him. We're not even told his name. He's just a certain rich man and he's got nice clothes and he's got nice things. And that's about all he was identified by, what he had. And there are a lot of people in this life that their whole identity is in what they have. They are identified by the latest fashion. They are identified by what kind of vehicle that they drive. They are identified by how big their house is. They are identified by how much money they have in the bank. They are identified by their good works and donations and charity in the community. They are identified by what they have. But the reality is it's what they don't have that identifies them in the sight of God this rich man had a whole lot as far as this world was concerned but he was a beggar in the eyes of God we read the story and there's a lot of things and I really don't know what all I'll say this morning. I don't have anything really fancy or put together but I know this is where the Lord wants me to be this morning. I'm going to try my best to be sensitive to Him as He'll lead me and direct me this morning. This rich man had a lot of things and Lazarus it seemed had nothing but God viewed it a different way that Lazarus had everything and the rich man had nothing. Because God said if you're going to trust in what you have if you're going to trust in your abundance if you're going to trust in your houses and in your land and in your possessions and it could go, the list could go farther than just that we're living in a day where folks don't just trust in their possessions but they trust in their deeds in their works that they're a good old fella or a good old girl or they go to church or they tithe in the offering plate or they do this their name's on this roll or that roll in this work or in that work but God said if you Rich in your own works in the eyes of God. You're a fool. You're a poor, you're a beggar. It's in those things that only God can do that makes a man truly rich. And I thought about here in the scripture. We're told about this rich man. He's got nice clothes, he's faring sumptuously every day. And he dies. And he's buried. He has all the the grandest funeral. No doubt everybody from the community comes to the rich man's funeral. No doubt everybody files by and talks about how much he had, about how much money uh, that he gave to the community, about the good works uh, that he had done, about what an upstanding citizen he was, uh, about the times they seen him at the synagogue, about how much money he put in the orphan plate. All of those things were probably part of the conversation of the rich man's funeral on this earth. But the Bible said uh, that the bell was not it, and in hell he lift up his eyes. It doesn't matter what everybody else says about you. It doesn't matter about all the good deeds and the accolades or that can be preached or talked about at your funeral. It doesn't matter how close you may feel or folks may feel you are to God. In the end of it all, it's whether or not you've been born again. That's what makes a man or a woman rich toward God. The Bible speaks about this beggar By the name of Lazarus, he don't have good clothes. He don't have a lot of money. He don't have a house on a hill. He's laid at the gate, at the bottom of the hill of the rich man's house full of sores just wanting to eat what comes fell from the rich man's table. Had a bunch of dogs that came and licked his sores seems to be some of the only friends he had. Everybody that passed by never gave him a second thought. We're told he dies Aren't told anything about a burial, about a funeral. Probably didn't even have one. But the Bible said he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. You say, why is that, preacher? Because he had true riches. See, the riches, what you have, your classification of rich is not, Jesus said it in Luke chapter 12, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. See if we were to look at this beggar by the name of Lazarus there are some things that we could notice. We could notice his situation that he did not have as would lead the scripture for us to believe he did not have a permanent dwelling place. He just laid at the gate. He was just a beggar. He was just a wanderer. He was just a stranger. He was a nobody that nobody really thought anything about. But I'm glad God knew about the beggar. And God knew where the beggar was. And it didn't matter to God about a house on a hill. It didn't matter to God about barns full of food or money in the bank. But this beggar was rich toward God. And that's our situation. And people can take fault. I understand uh, that in the Scriptures it said, David uh, said, I've been young and now i old. I've never seen uh, the righteous forsaken nor seed uh, begging bread. I think that goes farther uh, than superficial means. I think that speaks more uh, of spiritual things than it does of physical things. Uh, there's going to be trouble in our life. Our situation is the same uh, as the beggar. We have here no permanent dwelling place we're strangers dwelling in tents like Abraham did we're just here for a temporary time but if you're saying this world is not your home we have a home and it's not of this world and so that's our situation. We should identify with the beggar. And that we, have, we may have a house. It may be on a hill. It may be a nice house. But that's not our home. If we're saved, we have a home beyond the sky. That's what the writer wrote. And so we look at the situation of this beggar. Everybody thought, oh, poor pitiful beggar but when it came down to the end of life when it come down he eternity it was not poor pitiful Lazarus it was poor pitiful rich man he was the one that was not prepared he was the one that was situated so well and it looked like everything was good that he had that nice house and he had all the stuff to go with it but at the end of the day he did not have two riches but Lazarus did look at the scripture we see, not only the situation of the beggar, and i just got a few things that I want to give you, and I don't know why the Lord wants me to preach this this morning, but I feel like He does. I want you to notice the suffering of the beggar. He suffered. The Bible said not only that he didn't have a permanent dwelling place, but it says in verse number 21, he desired just to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, and the dogs came and licked his sores. Now you and I sometimes when we look at the Scripture, we don't want to think about ourselves being like Lazarus, some beggar at the rich man's gate full of sores with the dogs coming and licking our sores. But I'm going to tell you uh, there is suffering for the people of God. Uh, it is a reality. It was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour, but can I give you some encouragement? Paul said, Our light affliction, which endureth but just a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us Peter said if you suffer for a while yet God will strengthen you establish you and settle you he'll help you he said if any man suffer as a Christian let him rejoice for great exceeded is his reward I thought about in the book of Acts when they were beaten they were commanded not to preach anymore in his name yet they went out and did Anyway, who uh, were brought back in. Uh, Gamaliel said uh, you better leave them alone. If this is of God you can't fight against it. If it's a man it'll come to naught and to what uh, Gamaliel said. Uh, they beat them and thrust them forth uh, and the Bible said they went forth rejoicing uh, in as much as they were happy uh, that they were made partakers of Christ's suffering. Uh, Paul said I most gladly therefore uh, glory in my infirmities uh, that the power of Christ may rest on me he said that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death Peter said if any man suffer as a Christian let him rejoice there is rejoicing in our suffering for our suffering is producing true riches in us none of us like to suffer I don't like to suffer I'm not one that says, Lord let me suffer and neither are you but I'm telling you through the suffering the writer wrote there'll come sweet things out of dark places and there are some times of suffering brother Larry Neal preached a message on honey out of the rock there are some hard times and some difficult places but the psalmist said he can feed them with honey out of the rock now honey don't come out of the rock it comes out of honeycomb but when you have two riches even the rocks can bust open in your hard times and honey can fall forth for you and so there are suffering times
1: there are hard
0: times and I know some of you are here this morning some of you I know about some of your circumstances some of you I may not but whether I know about it or not I'm here to tell you that God knows all about it and I know you don't want to suffer and I don't want to suffer but just take the words of the Bible and know it's a working good in us Paul said all things we know that all things work together for good and to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose and we can say if you want to look at that in the context of the scripture and i was talking with a preacher this week and i said i'm becoming more and more uh wanting The desire in me is becoming greater And not that it hasn't been there before, but I'm just seeing so many people that are deceived. So many preachers that are preaching other men's opinions, and they don't search it out for the book in the book themselves. The Bible said we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Not to the brethren, not to the Baptist, not to other preachers, but unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And there's a greater desire in me in these last days of deception to preach the Bible as it is to men, women, boys and girls as they are. One more writer said it's not my business to make the gospel acceptable. It's my business to make it available. And that's what God called me to do to preach the word. Paul said he didn't send me to baptize. He didn't send me to do any of this other stuff. But he sent me, he separated me from my mother's womb to preach the gospel. You can fall out with that scripture if you want to, but if you fall out with it, you have to fall out with God, not with me. God saw his preaching. God, the Bible said it pleased God through the furnaces of preaching. That is the method that God himself chose. And he put so much emphasis on the preaching that Paul said he was separated from his mother's womb. It was in the mind of God for him to be a preacher of the gospel. That is right. That is right. And there's a desire in me to want to preach the Gospel in its entirety. In its... Let the Bible come... There's nothing wrong with reading about other men. We have to understand just as was said this morning in the Sunday school hour, they are men and they are fallible. And there are going to be times they give you their opinion. And thank God for some that will tell you this is my opinion. But we better let the Bible commentate on the Bible. Let the Bible speak for itself. And I understand that in these days many people are troubled about the suffering. But I'm telling you, according to the Word of God, it's working in us to produce true riches in the believer. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. Paul said we know all things work together. Many people say that's a promise to the people of God. And I understand that can be applied there. I believe that Paul was not saying just in his own life, but in everyone that believes God, in everyone that loves God. Uh, But more than a promise, Paul was making an observation. Uh, Paul had just got finished listing all the things uh, that he had went through. Had been beaten. Had been shipwrecked. Had spent nights in the deep. Had been destitute without clothing. Had been afflicted. Had been hungry. Had been in torment. Had been forsaken he said all men forsook me no man stood with me but Paul looks back on all that and he said I counted all but laws that I may know the excellency that is in Christ Jesus and he said all things all them nights in the deep all them times of shipwreck all the imprisonment all the hungry times all the nakedness all the peril all the swords all the battles he said it's all working together for good in my life Produce the character of Christ in me. And that's true riches. That is true riches. The Bible said it's God's will. Those He did foreknow, those He also did predestinate, and you don't have to be afraid of that word, it's an after salvation term. Those who did, He did foreknew, those He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. It means it's the will of God and it's the destination for all of us and to be like the Son of God. what He wants to do in our life. Produce true riches in us. And so we see the, the situation of the beggar. We see the suffering of the beggar. I want to say it looks like in the Scripture that the beggar was all alone. The Bible said just the dogs came and licked his sores. He appeared to be alone, but thank God he was not alone. For when he died, the angels came and carried him to Abraham's bosom. And I'm going to tell you, I believe with all this in me and I know... It's just kind of going and coming this morning for me. But I believe in my heart that there's somebody here this morning that needs to hear that you're not alone. The Bible said there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm glad I know who he is. The writer wrote the song, Have You Met My Friend? He'll be faithful until the end. The writer in the old black, or the Redback Book said, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief. To bear, I'm telling you this morning. You may feel like you're all alone, and the world may look at you and say, "Poor, a pitiful you. You don't have any friends. You're not a popular person. You're not in with the socialites. You're not in the elite crowd." But thank God this morning, if you're saved, you're not alone. He made us a promise; He'd go with us all the way, even to the end of the world. It doesn't matter what comes. If the storm comes, He's still there when death comes knocking at the door he's still there when the valleys come and they're dark and we can't see he's still there Oh, when our friends forsake us he's still there Paul said all men forsook me but he said notwithstanding the Lord stood by me and strengthened me I'm glad there is someone there is a friend the writer said I have somebody with me all the way all the way so I'm glad we're not alone. If that ain't true riches, I don't know what is. There's someone with us when everybody else has to stop when everybody else can't go any farther, when the preacher... And believe me this morning, I love you with everything in me. And I'll do anything I can do for you. That's what God has put in my heart. And I thank God for it. But you're going to walk through things that I'm going to have to stand back. You're going to walk through things that I can pray for you, but I can't walk through them with you. And I can't help you out. And I can't go into the shadow with you or down in the valley with you or behind the doors with you. But I'm glad when nobody else can go. I'm glad there's somebody who's always with us. He can go through the doors nobody else can walk through. He can walk in the dark when nobody else can see. I'm glad this morning to know there's somebody with us all the way. And that's true riches this morning. See, too often in these days I... I think it was mentioned also in the Sunday school hour we get our eyes looking at everybody else and how they're growing and how they're prospering and nothing's changed it's been that way with the people of God all the time in the book of Psalms we see where one of them wrote fret not thyself because of evildoers or because of he that prospereth in his way there are times we get to look at everybody else and feel like back there the rich man and we're just the poor pitiful Lazarus begging at the gate but I'm telling you that Lazarus had two riches and what the rich man had run out on him. I think about in these days and I'm trying my best to get done. I feel like I'm running all over the map this morning but I feel like in these days it's kind of like oh Naaman over there when he come to the man of God and he said I need to be cured of my leprosy and leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible probably the greatest type in the Old Testament it's a blood disease and only the high priest could pronounce you clean and it could only come through a work of God and that's how salvation comes and thank God we have a great high priest passed into the heavens Jesus Christ the righteous and I thought about his name and come and the man of God didn't do what Naaman thought he ought to do I mean Naaman had it in his mind how everything ought to go because Naaman had prestige and Naaman had a name and Naaman had money and Naaman had a position he said surely I thought he had come out and struck his hand over the place and call on God and save the leper and the man of God didn't even go out he just sent the servant and said go tell him dip in Jordan seven times And his flesh will come again like the flesh of a little child. And Naaman, the Bible said he was wroth. He was angry. He said, Are not Abana and Firepower, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Jordan? And I'm afraid in these days that's what folks have looked at. They want to do it the Abana way or the Firepower way. And you can study them rivers, they were beautiful rivers flowed through beautiful country, but one of them, I don't remember which one's which, but one of them was a seasonal river. It only flowed a little while, then when things got hot and the waters, and the rain quit coming, the waters dried up. Now I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of people flocking to a whole lot of different things and a whole lot of different associations and organizations, so-called religious organizations and so-called churches, and they're trying to do it there Abana and Farpar away. But I'm telling you, it'll dry up on them somewhere along the line. And another one, another one, I think maybe Farpar is called maybe the Golden River. And it was a very beautiful place, but it flowed out in the middle of the desert, and then it vanished. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people trusting in a lot of things. And as long as everything runs well, everything's good. But you let them get in a dry time, in a hot time, in a hard time, somewhere out yonder in the middle of the desert, and what they're trusting in dries up on them, and there they are. But I read and studied and heard another preacher preach on it too. And he said that river of Jordan, oh, muddy, and it didn't look like much. And I've been there, and I'm not bragging about that, and it, you don't have to be there to understand it. But it's not much to look at. You can't see to the bottom. It's not pretty water like you'd go to the Gulf or the coast somewhere and see. I mean, it's so dingy. You can't see in a bunch of mud and muck and filth and dirty, tainted water. But I'm going to tell you, it runs. And the preacher said, and studies say, if you study the geography, it runs all the way to the Dead Sea, and that's where it runs out. And you say, what does that mean for me? I'm telling you, what we got will carry us to death and carry us home. Over. I'm glad this morning to know that we have two riches in Christ and it'll be enough to get us to the end. Amen. That is right. See, all the world saw when they looked at this beggar was his situation and his suffering and his solitude and he was seemingly all alone. But what they did not see, what they did not understand, and I'm done this morning, if we look at the Scripture, what they did not see is that the beggar had a secret that they didn't know about. And I think about a song. I don't know how old it is. I think it's pretty old. And I don't know who wrote it. But the writer wrote, It's not what you see that makes me a king. See, the world was judging the rich man and Lazarus only by what they could see. But I'm glad this morning it's not about what you can see. But he said, oh, the writer wrote there, Treasures Unseen. And I'm glad this morning to know that there's some secrets of the children of God that the world don't have any idea about. And that secret was the fact that he had a hidden treasure. I think about what Paul said about that hidden treasure we've got in earth and vessel. That's the Holy Ghost put in us. That's the secret the world don't know about. That when it come time to die, the beggar just had to die in his riches and it didn't do him any good. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes and he was in torments. But when Lazarus died, he had a secret that nobody else knew about. And it carried him to be with the Lord. I'm going to tell you this morning I thought about As he looked over, the Bible said, and he saw Abraham and Lazarus in his bosom. He cries and says, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things Lazarus evil things. But here's where the whole story hinges on two words. But now. See, all the world looked at the rich man one way and Lazarus another way. But now. It's that God viewed Lazarus one way and the rich man another. And Lazarus had true riches. I was studying this scripture and I'm done this morning. Lazarus, the word Lazarus, the name Lazarus means he who God helps. And that's the one thing we're, we're recorded. We're never told the rich man's name because he trusted in his riches to be his help. But Lazarus had God for His Helper. And it's amazing to me, the Bible records that he's carried, and I know there's a lot of types and there's a lot of things here that he's carried to Abraham's bosom. I thought about there's a different focus. I had read and talked with somebody this week, I think. There's a different focus when you get in the Lord's bosom. I'm not necessarily talking about Heaven, but here in this life you can abide at his bosom. And I thought about John when he was there and the Lord said, One of you is going to betray me. John's leaning on his bosom and everybody else is in chaos wanting to know, Is it me? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And John, he never once says, Lord, is it I? He said, Lord, who is it? John had a different focus than the others because he was on the bosom of God. One preacher said he could hear God's heartbeat. I'm going to tell you, in these days you can too, and that's part of the true riches of the believer. Now, I don't know who needed this this morning. I feel like maybe this morning the Lord really wanted the part about suffering. To be highlighted, we will suffer. There are things we'll endure, things we go through. We go through sickness, we go through turmoil, we go through trials, we go through valleys. We don't know what to do. We get to places we don't know which way's up. But I'm glad there's somebody with us, and it's a working in us. Paul said a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction, it's just but for a moment, it won't last forever. One day it'll all be over. And we'll see the fruits of the true riches that we had as a child of God. Not that we laid up, not that we made, not that we manifested, not that we earned, not that we produced. But those riches that God put in us. Jesus said, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. There are a lot of fools in this world, and I say that scripturally, that are trusting in their riches. The Lord said, so is everyone that is not rich toward God. Thank God this morning, we're not here to, to tell sad stories or sing sad songs. The Lord's been good to us, but it's not about what we have here. There are deeper riches, true riches, unsearchable riches that are, we as the people of God have been made partakers of through Christ. I'm glad this morning for true riches. Father, I thank You this morning for the privilege and opportunity to have been in the house of God. I know, Lord, it's not been much on my part.